wow, right? <laughs> I said at the last service, I was like, it's really a gamble every week between what Chad's going to say and what Lenny's going to edit. And I think you guys need to thank Lenny because he does a really good job editing. <laughs> you know, he's had his work cut out when there's like a bunch of breaks in the link. Yeah. Um, anyways, welcome to Narrate Church. If you're new here, um, I'm not the pastor. <laughs> I'm Lindsay, as you saw up there, um, but our lead pastor, Adam, is in Portland, Oregon. He decided not only to plant a church and have a family, but to work on his master's degree. So he's finishing that up this, uh, I think this will be his last semester. So that's where he's at, and so I get to be up here welcoming you guys and telling you a little bit about what we're, we're doing. We're in the middle of a series called Supplements. Um, as you can see up there, we're talking about relationships and marriage and trying to offer some tools to help make those things better. So um, a little history to bring you to where we are today is that a church in Billings called Harvest Church started a church in Bozeman called Narrate, and those two churches together, or Journey, thank you, we're Narrate. We started, they started us. <laughs> so Journey and Harvest started Narrate Church. Um, so we're really a part of this cool community of people all over Montana, and it's really fun that today we get to have two people from Journey uh, come and share with us. Michelle is from Journey. She's going to share with us, and her and her husband, John, are both on staff. I'm going to have them come up here. They, uh, John is the associate pastor, and Michelle directs discipleship there. So uh, I will quit talking until later and turn it over to them. Thanks, Lindsay. Doesn't she do a good job? She did a great job. I love those. Uh, I love those commercials, and uh, it sounds like if I'm going to work in the kids' ministry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear a cup from now on. <laughs> so this is my wife, Michelle. I'm John. Uh, we are both on staff at Journey, which is uh, one of your mother churches, and uh, we just want to say, "Wow, good job!" Uh, we're so proud to have uh, you guys spin off of us, and uh, we pray for you guys all the time, and. Uh, we're thinking about you, and we'd invite you anytime you're in Bozeman to come and uh, join us for worship. Uh, we uh, have worship on Saturday nights and Sunday mornings, so please consider doing that. Now, I know what you're starting to think. Uh, how did he get her, right? How did, how did that happen? Well, uh, primarily because uh, I was a lot better looking in the 80s, all right? So <laughs> g- give a guy a break, all right? <laughs> uh, Michelle's uh, message today really is... Um, a testimony about our marriage, uh, the steps we took, and the, um, the things we learned from Scripture, and uh, the roles that we play as husband and wife. And so um, whether you're uh, married, unmarried, uh, husband or wife, or male or female, just, um, just think about, as we lead into this, think about what role uh, you think God might have for you in a, in a marriage setting. All right, Michelle? Okay, thanks, so. Morning, everybody. How are you? Good. Uh, um, I'm going to share today. I was 36 years old when I came to the Lord, so I was a little bit older. And I was 38 when I first heard that there was actually like this thing called roles, that God actually wants the man to lead and he wants the woman to let him. Um, That was really a new concept for me. And um, so I really want to encourage you guys today to really think about if you've talked about that within your marriage. At that time, John and I had never even, oh my gosh, we hadn't even fathomed about talking about it. I didn't even know what it meant. But I started to explore it. 
And so today, one thing I want to ask is, how many single people do we have here? Excellent. Excellent. You might be going, oh, darn, why did I come to this kind of a talk? But single people, you have so much going for you right now because you actually get to pick. You actually get to pick out that person you're going to spend the rest of your lives with. And I want, to, I want you to think about a couple things when you're thinking about this. I want you to think, if you're the guy, I want you to think, God, how easy, it going to be, how easy is it going to be to lead that gal I'm with? And uh, girls, I want you to think about, what, what kind of a leader is he going to be? And what do I even know about that? Um, because pretty much what you see is what you get. And it may never change after you get married. Um, so it's really, really important that you understand your roles before you get married. We're really working on that at Journey to meet with the dating and the engaged people. Uh, married people, you're stuck. <laughs> so you have to make the best of it. That's where John and I were at. It was like, i got to figure this out. And until you're in those roles, and you guys, I'm telling you, they're great to be in. We, they, submission gets such a bad rap. But until you're in, in those roles... You're out of God's order, and there's going to be something wrong in your marriage. Um, if I can do it, I was in control of my marriage for 17 years. Probably, I think I've met with maybe one other person that's been a little bit more controlling than I. So I know it's easy for me to stand up here and say it's possible because, wow, I was in a very bad place. The one thing I'm also going to encourage you to do before you listen today and even attempt to do this was John and I had to do a forgiveness inventory journal. We do this with every couple that we meet with. Um, you have to start from the time you dated all the way to today and forgive each other. You have to write down the offenses that your partner, you have held against your partner and you need to set them free from those and find out your part with the Lord. But second of all, you have to ask your partner for forgiveness. We even went back as far as asking forgiveness for the times that we dated, the times that I tempted John, the times that uh, I didn't know Christ when I dated John, but I just, whenever the Lord would lay something on my heart, that I did outside of his standards, um, John and I went back and really asked each other for forgiveness for us so we could just begin each day with what was on our plate that day. That has just been glorious. We have no, um, we filter each other through the lens of what happens today, not through tons and tons and tons of past hurts. So to attempt this, I think you have to understand what forgiveness truly is in your marriage and set your husband or wife free from any baggage that you carry around. Um, John and I also have figured out that we're on the same team. I didn't know that. Um, I was always kind of fighting for my right, and he was sort of fighting for his, but not as much as I fought for mine. So we were always kind of doing this. Now we're on the same team. So it's a win-win. Um, sometimes I'll go to John and go, John, something's wrong here. Um, I don't know if it's you or, or me, but we need to figure it out, and one of us needs to change. And then we both win. And that has just been so such a better way to argue and get into disputes that at the end of it, someone's going to win, but our marriage is going to win. There's no losers. And that's just been really super beneficial to our marriage. So today I'm hoping to enlighten you and dispel some of the lies about the dreaded S word.
I look like that a lot of days. <laughs> Women, how many of you walk in the fear of submitting? Men, how many of you are confused about what a spiritual leader looks like? Today's big idea is women dare to surrender, men dare to lead. I'm going to share with you today how God transformed my mind and heart towards my surrender to my husband, John. In the year 2000, I fired myself and I hired Jesus to run my life. A few months after that, I began discipling this gal. And uh, we were meeting and she was dating, engaged, and then got married. And right before she left for her honeymoon, I asked her, what would you like to study when you get back? And she said, oh, my gosh, I'd love to study how to be a godly wife. I was like, oh, my gosh. In my quest to please Christ, this subject had completely eluded me. With some hesitation, I said that I, see, I would see what I could find. And I soon landed on a book by Martha Peace called The Excellent Wife. Even the title set me off. I was, oh, I was a recovering control freak. And excellent felt like I might have to perform or live up to something. So when she returned, we began crawling through this book. Her a new wife and me the mentor um, and married and in control for 17 years. But at some point, things began to change inside my heart. And I discovered that my marriage was completely out of God's order. How many of you feel something just isn't right within your marriage? Because of the curse of man, Genesis 3.16 says, Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and in pain... You will give birth, and you will desire to control your husband, and he will rule over you. Ugh. According to God, women will always want, always struggle with wanting to be in control. That was kind of a relief to me, to know that there was like big biblical backing for this strong thing that kept happening to me. For the first time, I began to look at roles within my marriage scripturally. From the first revelation that I needed to surrender to my actual surrender was six months long wrestling with God and trying to figure out how would this even work. These are some of the lies that I had to release before surrendering to John's leadership. The lie that nothing would get done. And the lie that he wouldn't act on anything. Of course, I rarely get an opportunity to act on anything. Um, I'd have to give up the dream of having a ministry with John. There was a lie that I'd be a doormat and wouldn't be able to speak up. There was a lie that nothing would change. And finally, the lie that no decisions would be made that would benefit me. But then there were some truths I also had to take a look at. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not men. Changing my motive to do this for Jesus kept me from having any expectations that John would change. I would have to give up being John's Holy Spirit and quit judging his walk. That was a full-time job. I would have to trust in God's hierarchy and give my best energies to the Lord and then to John, not to my ministry or not to my friends in need. I began to see that if teaching a Bible study drew my energy away from being a godly wife, there was no eternal value in those deeds. Wives, our motive for surrender cannot be for any personal gain. Husbands, your motive as leader cannot be for any personal gain. If you don't hear anything else today, please hear this again. Wives, our motive for surrender cannot be for any personal gain. Husbands, your motive as leader cannot be for any personal gain. You need to do it because it's the right thing to do. I want you to know the amazing part of God is if we obey his teachings, the blessings that we receive are beyond measure. 
Women, when we feel like we can't trust that our husbands will treat us like Christ loved the church, as is commanded, or be a good leader, can we obey God to experience all the hidden joy that lies within our God-given marital roles? Can we just do our part? Some of you might be wondering where John was at during this time. Let's take a look. All right, so here's my story. Uh, Michelle and I have been happily married for 17 years. We had... Uh, great communication. Finances were in order. We had a lovely house. Um, just Our marriage was just perfect. Um, and one day she comes and interrupts me and says, uh, hey John, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm thinking about investigating what it looks like biblically to be a, a godly wife. And uh, I thought, Hmm, I wonder what that's going to look like. Um, so I, I thought to myself, okay, she said, a, she said a godly wife. She didn't say anything about being a godly husband. So I encouraged her. Besides, I knew this would be uh, another one of Michelle's great ideas that that never came to happen. For instance, uh, the time she wanted us to uh, join up and do Taibo together, or or the time she. Um, convinced me to buy a self-propelled mower so that she would mow the lawn. Uh, or the time that she started creating her own lotions and uh, wanted to open a store called Smelly Shelly's, right? I mean, I knew that nothing would come of it. So uh, I encouraged her. And uh, and then six months later, she, she came back to me after she had done quite a bit of... Uh, studying and digging into the Bible and she said, John, I want to, I, I want to pray about uh, what my role looks like as a, as a godly wife. And uh, at that time, I knew she was pretty serious about this. One of the most amazing miracles going on inside of me at that time was I wasn't doing it for John anymore. The Lord was asking me to do it for him. And the Lord's asking you to do this for him. Over the years, for past 10 years, I've been meeting with women. And one truth that I've come to realize is every Christian woman must commit to making her husband the leader. The Bible states whomever you marry is your leader, no matter what kind of a man that he is. This is not a position that he has to earn. Because he is our husband, he is our leader. God's truth for Christ following women is this. The man we marry is our leader no matter if he leads or not. Ladies, have you ever completely surrendered to your husband as leader? Does he know that you acknowledge him as the leader? Do you treat him with the respect of him being the leader, even if he doesn't live up to it? That should be our goal as wives, and I know that's hard, and I know it's a really hard truth. But I'm going to encourage you to talk about this as a couple I think a lot of couples haven't even talked about it. Sometimes wives can take studies and they'll do that within their study but never go home and really tell their husband what they're doing. So it takes him so long to figure out this change that by that time she's bummed out that he hasn't noticed. So I really want to encourage you. This is when John's mar- John and mine's marriage became the best of the best. It just flourished after we decided that we were going to be on the same page. After realizing the lies and the truths, after praying James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all 
without finding fault, and it shall be given to him. After my six-month wrestling match with the Lord, I was finally ready to surrender. So I had to have a talk with John. John walked in the door, and I asked him if he could listen to me. I told him that I felt like there was something very wrong within the walls of our marriage and the walls of our house. I needed to ask forgiveness for controlling our marriage and that I was surrendering my role as leader. I went on to say that it didn't matter what he wanted to do with it because you remember I gave up my right to be his Holy Spirit. I just knew I would no longer be in that leadership role. John went on to say he thought I knew more biblically and he thought I did a good job. So then I opened the Bible to Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. I then asked John to pray with me to God and declare to Satan that I would no longer lead this marriage. Nothing could have prepared me for what was about to happen. With the new shift in the household, it began to look a lot different. Now, I try to always give John the benefit of the doubt. I surrendered the emotional baggage of thinking I was responsible for absolutely everything. I listen. I truly listen to him. I pray for him daily. Our praying together daily is a one to three minutes instead of me, Princess Prayer Warrior, showing up and John falling asleep. I think charitable thoughts of him. I share what's important to me, and I trust that he's going to consider it. I look for what's important to him, and try to fulfill some of those areas, like cooking more, initiating sex more, guarding my time and schedule to keep our evenings free for each other, and I like to try to even go fishing, even if it's windy and cold. I try to respect everything he says, and I know and trust that the Lord may be using him to tell me something. My best example of this is, um, after reading that book, The Excellent Wife, it's kind of a hard read, so I wrote a program to go along with it. I was trying to engage women more in the process, so I gathered five of my friends and asked if they'd walk it through with me, and they said yes. One of the contracts I designed was an honor your husband contract. So you had to come up with three ways to honor your husband. So we were going around, and each gal was saying which way she was going to honor her husband, and we got to one of my friends, and she said, gosh, I think I'd like to ask my husband what would honor him. I'm sure (laughs) that my face turned red and my jaw dropped because it never even crossed my mind to ask John what would honor him thought I'd decide that for him. So as I said, I'm a recovering control freak. And so later that night, after that friend told me that, I approached John with the question, how can I honor you? Three days later, John came up with an answer. I couldn't wait to hear what it was. I thought it was just going to be so cool and so amazing and so deep. After all, it took him three days to decide. Again, shock set in when he gave me his answer. Sauces, he said. I would love if you would quit buying so many sauces. And cookies. Could you narrow it down to like two boxes of cookies and then buy some more? And the same with crackers. Just let them get down and then get some more. Was he he serious? I was like, yes. After being married over 17 years at the time, the effects of my control stared me in the face once again when John said, waste, I really hate waste. So 17 years we've been together and I never even knew this. As time went on, it became so clear it wasn't just about the sauces. I have fought shopping for years, and I've been working on it for a really long time. I began to look around and remember what else John said that day. Everything's full, every drawer, every closet. 
My problem wasn't just the sauces. It was an overabundance of everything and false security outside of my identity in Jesus Christ. It reminds me of our relationship with Jesus. We're always looking to fill some void that Christ has promised to fill up in us. We're always looking in the wrong closet when our answers lie within our Bibles, the true word of God. After that, no matter what John says to me, I listen, I pay attention, and I pray over it. I surrendered to John's leadership, I died to myself, and I finally stepped into protection. John protects me so much by advising me in areas where I struggle, such as advising me to slow down because of my busy schedule, getting me to go outside and play to be a part of his adventure when helping someone seems so much more natural to me. Financial decisions. I'm terrible with money. He really guards me there. Finally, I do feel safe, I do feel protected, and I do feel cherished. I want to give you a few specific reasons to attempt this change. If we say we're Christ followers, Romans 2.13 says, For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. So this is a command. It is not for personal gain, but out of gratitude for Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if your spouse is a believer, a non-believer, an amazing man, or someone really, really difficult to live with. It's our job as Christ followers, single or married, to find out what God's asking from us. This will look different to everyone. How can we say we are Christ followers and not follow Christ? 15 years in a marriage outside of Christ, 10 years in a marriage inside of Christ, but only six and a half years as the surrendered wife God's intended me to be. There is no comparison. Women, I can't tell you the relief of no longer judging John's walk. God had such a way bigger plans for him than I did. Find a way to release your husbands and let the Holy Spirit run his life. Please listen to this. I know that my control and my expectations halted John's growth from stepping into leadership. I really, really, really squashed his spirit in all those years of controlling him. Women, if this is you, please repent and seek to change it. If you need help, reach out. Guys, are your elbows sore from your nudging your wives while listening to me? Well, you're not off the hook yet. Please listen. So, I, I, you guys, I think our biggest challenge with our, our women is PMS, don't you? And it's not what you're thinking. It, PMS is passive male syndrome. We get comfortable and, and passive about how we lead our families. And we forget that God has a, a plan for that, and, and we don't follow it. Check out Genesis 2.15 sometime. God gave Adam responsibility of the garden. He became passive and didn't lead Eve, didn't, didn't protect her. It's the same thing that's going on in, in our world today. <clears throat> so after we prayed, I decided I needed to find out what God really intended for me and my role as a leader. And, and I was led to Ephesians chapter 5. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. And then in verse 28, in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. And then in 5.33, so again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So guys, I'm calling you out. I'm asking you to think about 
this leadership and how God intended it. And and I want you to ask yourself if you're if you think you're cherishing your wife, if you think you're protecting her, and if you think you're actually loving her like Christ loved the church. So Christ followers, release your partner to whom God intended them to be. Set them free. I guarantee you it will be better than anything you could imagine. Out of gratitude for Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for you, dare to receive God's truth for your order for yourself today. Women, dare to be protected. Men, dare to lead. The truth really is only about 15% of our marriage has changed, but 100% of my heart has allowed John the chance to lead. Surrender your hearts to each other. Meet with a couple to mentor and challenge you. Agree to be each other's safe place. Always agreeing to give your spouse the benefit of the doubt before assuming the worst. I ask, why would or do we treat the person we are to love the most with the least amount of respect? Educate yourselves about marital roles. Understand that we choose our behavior. What if your goal in life, after pleasing Christ, was to be intentional and determined that your spouse is to be the most respected husband or your wife is to be the most cherished wife on earth, having nothing to do with whether they deserve it or not. Hard stuff. Okay, women, take this test. On a scale of 1 to 10, this is how you find out how surrendered you are. Here's the scenario. You and your husband have a decision to make. It's a big one. You have two really amazing, unbelievably great options for the situation. And your husband has one pretty lousy one. After carefully listening to you, praying about it, and considering your options, he chooses his. On a scale of 1 to 10, where would you score in standing behind him and supporting his decision 100%? I've learned that being obedient to following John's leadership means his worst decision will be blessed far more than any and all of my greatest decisions. This is the hidden joy that I now get to experience. In surrendering to John's decisions, I gave up the fight to be right. I gave up the right to be equal, and I died to the bondage of always being the one in control. In turn, I found freedom and peace and rest and protection and blessings that I never dreamt of. I now view my role as a wife in God's eyes as an honor and a privilege. Our Lord gave me a way to glorify him even more by honoring, helping, and respecting John. Because this is an area of obedience, I continue to work at this daily, and will always have to, but what an amazing way to live our lives and glorify Christ. I dare you to join me.